If I were to ask you who the richest person in history was, who would you say? A modern CEO like Jeff Bezos? Or perhaps someone from the Gilded Age like John D. Rockefeller or Andrew Carnegie? Well, the answer is... Mansa Musa! What? It's literally in the title of the episode. Oh yeah, you're right. Kind of takes away the suspense, I suppose. But yes, the richest person in history was indeed the king of the Mali Empire in the early 14th century, named Mansa Musa. Uh, the title Mansa was basically king. Like, you know how we say Queen Elizabeth? Uh, so yeah, that's just the, the title. Uh, anyway, how rich was he, you ask? Well, as of 2021, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos has a net worth of about uh, $200 billion, making him the richest person alive. An impressive feat to be sure, but he's not even the richest American. Andrew Carnegie, you know, the guy who had a stranglehold on the steel-making business, would be worth about $310 billion today. And John D. Rockefeller? Woo! He would be worth just shy of $400 billion in today's money, which is nuts. To put that in perspective, at the peak of his wealth, Rockefeller owned about 3% of the entire U.S. economy at the time. If the U.S. Treasury printed $101 bills, three of them would be in Rockefeller's wallet. But Mansa Moose's wealth is even crazier. As his total amount of money is described by historical scholars as uh, indescribable. Now, this is for a number of reasons. First off, we don't have the exact numbers when it comes to how rich Mansa Musa was, because apparently having an accountant keep track of your vast amounts of wealth and over your empire and making highly in-depth records that will last for 500 years wasn't a priority for the medieval world. So... We kind of had to guess based on historical accounts, but we're pretty sure that he was definitely worth more than $400 billion, meaning that he probably was, in fact, richer than John D. Rockefeller. And so much more extravagant in how he spent his money. And we're going to talk all about the richest man in history on this week's episode of Historical Hijinks. <laughs> So how did he manage to get so rich? I mean, yes, he is a king, so he would obviously be wealthy, but not to the point of being worth twice as much as Jeff Bezos. Well, it's because he wasn't just king of anywhere. He was the Mansa of the Mali Empire, which was a kingdom in West Africa that covered modern-day Guinea, Senegal, Gambia, and Mauritania, and, uh, of course, the Republic of Mali. And with all that land, he was sitting on a gold mine, no, like, like literally, he was sitting on an actual gold mine, as the Mali Empire had a ton of it. That and salt. Now, uh, not only did Mali have an abundance of gold as a natural resource, but they also got a lot of it because of trade. You see, before there were cargo planes and freight ships to move products around the world, trade was more simple. If you were by a coastline, then yeah. You could use a boat to carry goods back and forth for trading. That would work out great. But here's the thing. Not everyone lives by the ocean. And so those trade goods had to be transported by land. 
and so certain trade routes became the main roads that traders used when they transported said goods. You know, because they're safer and easier to travel. And cities along those trade routes uh, became very profitable. I'm sure you've heard of the Silk Road at some point. It, it's a great example of this, due to it being the main trade route between Europe and Asia back in the medieval times. As it just so happened, Mali was on a very lucrative trade route between West Africa and the Mediterranean Sea. And after Mansa Musa annexed the city of Timbuktu, the Mali Empire dominated trade in the region. Hence, all the golden salt. And if you're wondering why I'm making such a big deal about salt, it's because salt was basically worth its weight in gold back then. Because as humans, we kinda need to eat to survive, obviously. But the issue with that is that food can spoil. Obviously. But salt helps preserve food, especially meat, and keeps it from going rotten. A very useful thing to have in a pre-refrigerator world. That's also why a bag of beef jerky in a vending machine has an expiration date of uh, the year 9000. So yeah, salt was a very sought-after commodity back then. And between that and the gold, uh, Mansa Musa was rolling in it. Now, we get to the fun part. The legendary pilgrimage of Mansa Musa. You see, Mansa Musa was a devout Muslim. And in case you didn't know, in Islam there is something called the Hajj, which is best explained as a pilgrimage to the holy city of Mecca. And in Islam, you're supposed to visit the city at least one time in your lifetime. So, in 1324, Mansa Musa decided to take his pilgrimage to Mecca. Now, if you have ever been on a road trip, odds are you tried to limit your spending on the trip. Maybe for dinner, you went to a burger joint instead of that fancy five-star restaurant with a lobster dinner that costs 500 bucks. Or perhaps you decided not to spring for the ultra-deluxe suite at the hotel. Mansa Musa took the idea of a budget and destroyed it because he decided to bring more gold than, well, I can't even come up with a humorous comparison. That's how much gold he brought. I mean, he brought with him, I am not joking, 72,000 pounds of gold for his trip. For those of you who live somewhere that uses the metric system, that's an equivalent to 32,600 kilograms. And for those of you who don't use either the metric system or imperial system, uh, I don't know where you live, but, uh, well, that's the same weight as seven fully grown Asian elephants. Seven elephants worth of gold. Worth over one and a half billion dollars. You know you're super rich when your travel budget is higher than the annual GDP of 23 countries. But that's not the only way Mansa Musa showed off his wealth on his trip because he was accompanied on his trip by an entourage that was made up of nearly 60,000 people, all of whom were adorned in fine clothing made up of Persian silk. The entourage consisted of tens of thousands of civilians, soldiers, and about 12,000 slaves. The gold was carried by over 100 camels and horses, and the aforementioned and slaves, and the entire thing was paid for by Mansa Musa himself. All the food and lodging, for all 60,000 people and animals during the 2,700 mile or 4,300 kilometer pilgrimage was paid for by him. And your dad thought that trip to Disneyland with five kids was expensive. Imagine how expensive it would be if you had to pay for 60,000 people. Now Mansa Musa didn't bring all this gold to show off. He gave a lot of it to the poor. 
He actually gave over $1 billion worth of gold to those in need along the way to Mecca. And he didn't stop there. It said he built a new mosque every Friday, and he bought a ton of souvenirs. And given his generous nature, I bet he bought them without even haggling. Like, you know, sometimes when you travel, people selling souvenirs will say something is worth a ridiculously high amount, but they'll sell it to you much cheaper in order to incentivize you to buy it. I'm just picturing Mansa Musa walking up to a stand and a vendor saying, This bowl, $200,000. But for you, my friend, six bucks. But before he even finishes the sentence, Mansa Musa has already put down $200,000 worth of gold on the table, and perhaps a few thousand more just to be nice. Because that's the kind of man Mansa Musa was. He was generous. Extremely generous. Maybe a little too generous. You see, Mansa Musa was a great man. He stabilized his kingdom, improved living conditions and education, attracted scholars from all over the world, and he even advanced the field of economics with a discovery he made on his pilgrimage. Inflation! Now I'm no economist, and inflation in its entirety is really complicated, so uh, I'll just give you the basic explanation from what I could gather. Essentially, in economics, prices are determined by supply and demand. Why is a Supreme shirt worth more than some random shirt from Walmart? Because you can get a ton of those shirts from Walmart, while they only make a few of those Supreme shirts. Basically, the less there is of something, the more value it has. And the more there is of something, the less value it has. To put it in other terms, imagine you were at school, and you and all your friends open up a pack of Pokemon cards. They get some cool cards, a few rares, but mostly the common cards that everyone already has. But when you open up your pack, you find that you got a first edition holographic Charizard. That is super rare, and that card is really hard to find. So naturally, all of your friends want your Charizard card, and they are willing to pay a lot for it. I mean, I just looked it up online, and this card sells for $4,000. Your friends each give you an offer, and you tell them you will decide who to sell it to by tomorrow. So tomorrow comes, and on your way to school, Mansa Musa shows up and just starts handing out first edition holographic Charizard cards to literally everyone. Just like, throwing them out there. Your friends, the other kids, the teachers, Carl, the crossing guard, everyone now has a card. Suddenly, you can't sell your card to anyone anymore because nobody wants it. Because everybody already has one. When the supply, the amount of Charizard cards people had, was low, the demand, how much the card was worth, was high. But now there are so many copies of the card that the value has gone down. Replace the first edition holographic Charizard card with gold, and you get the general idea about inflation. This is why things cost less in olden days, when there was less money, and soda cost a nickel instead of a dollar. Or why in Zimbabwe, a trillion dollar bill was worth about one US nickel. But a Pokemon card losing value is one thing. It only affects the people who were trying to sell the card. But gold losing value, the thing that everyone used as a universal form of currency, that had never happened before. And this was no fault of Mansa Musa, mind you. He was just trying to help out, but by giving away money at a higher rate than Mr. Beast, he accidentally collapsed the economies of Cairo, Medina, and even Mecca. Now, to be fair, once the problem became apparent, Mansa Musa tried his best to reverse the problem. 
On his way back to Mali after visiting Mecca, he revisited all the cities he went to and borrowed all the gold he could from there at an extremely high interest rate. While this did help mitigate some of the damage, many places suffered from a decade-long recession due to their gold being practically worthless. This man gave out so much gold that he made it worthless. This is the only time in history that a single person single-handedly controlled the price of gold in the Mediterranean. Accidentally inventing inflation and crippling the economies of several major cities wasn't the only thing to come out of this trip. Word began to spread of an African king with followers carrying gold as far as the eye could see. And eventually, word of Mansa Musa's pilgrimage would reach the farthest corners of Europe, Africa, and even a bit of Asia due to Ibn Battuta, a man so well-traveled he makes Marco Polo look like a casual tourist. Ibn Battuta uh, actually chronicled the journey of Mansa Musa, and that's where a lot of our information of this pilgrimage came from, and he shared those writings when he visited India. Mansa Musa's fame due to his pilgrimage even got him and his kingdom onto the 1375 Catalan Atlas, which was basically the best and most accurate map at the time. And of course, it depicted Mansa Musa holding a golden scepter and a very shiny golden nugget. Mansa Musa was a fascinating historical figure. He left behind a rich legacy. He built many buildings and universities, some that even stand to this day, and his generosity brought his kingdom into a golden age of culture and technology. They say money can't buy you happiness, but Monster Musa shows it can buy you fame, prestige, luxury, power, prosperity. Okay, I guess money can buy everything but happiness. And even then, it's only a matter of time until scientists figure out how to make gummy bears filled with dopamine. Then money really can buy everything. Well, that's all for this week. Uh, yeah, fun episode. Uh... I'll update, uh, yeah, so yeah, um, if you didn't know, I'm doing these episodes on Friday now, um, I'm planning on doing a thing where, uh, in the middle of an episode, uh, I'm going to have, like, a little segment in the middle where I respond to some questions, uh, from you guys, like, little historical questions that, where the explanation is interesting, but it's not long enough to be fit into a, to an episode, you know? Uh, so yeah, I look forward to that, um, Anyway, if you wanna if you wanna send one of those questions or you know contact me or to say hi or you know like the show, you can you can use the email historical podcast uh, at gmail.com or you can reach me on Twitter with with at hist hijinks. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Nicholas Fowler, and this has been one for the history books. <laughs>